Hey guys, welcome to Sunday Nights at Refuge, a community-focused Bible study that gathers weekly in our Common Ground Cafe. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and your Bible. By the way, you can connect with us on Instagram at Refuge Family. Now, our prayer is that Jesus would use this message to draw you closer to him. So if you're ready, let's join tonight's study. How are you guys doing tonight? Um, yeah, I, I was going to start off with something tonight, um, not realizing that I was getting a little emotional <laughs> at the beginning because we just saw a video of uh, 280-something children who were being you know, rescued and saved. That was incredible. And then being reminded about the sanctity of life and then followed up with a message about the, how fragile life actually is kind of leaves us in a state of, huh, like, there's some, there's some joyful yet heavy emotions to deal with in the moments right now. So before I begin tonight, I just want to do one really quick word of prayer as we begin, um, as we get started. Will you guys join me real quick? Father God, what a, a, how glorious it is that as we watch things about how you're moving, Lord, and there, there were over 200 moms who decided, Father, that they valued life and the struggles that they were going to be dealing with and the choices that they had to make in order to walk through this journey, no matter what the choice was, Lord, um, at the beginning, Father, that they have taken a role to, um, in just a position to just value life. We praise you for that, God. And I pray that you just continue to work in all those moms' lives. And at the same time, God, uh, may we just recognize how fragile our life is when we say goodbye to brothers and good friends of our ministry. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, so the book of Psalms. Psalms, beautiful book, wonderful book. Um, I feel like we're in the proper setting for learning about Psalms because we are in a coffee shop and we have our coffees and we're sitting at our table in the book of Psalms. I love it. I absolutely love songs, Psalms because it is songs. It is poetry. And so I thought tonight I want to start off with a couple things about poetry, a few uh, Poe jokes. Have you guys ever heard of Poe jokes? Is anybody into poetry in here at all? Okay. You got one guy in the back. This is going to be a very good night. We're going to learn a little bit about poetry tonight. We're going to start off with some Poe jokes. Let's see if you guys can get these. Um, Hey, how do poets say goodbye? They say, uh, I'd like to linger a little longer, but it's getting a little eight. Or alliterate. That's what, not a little eight. Alliterate. Ah, yes. The next, uh, the next teaching series will be on speaking correctly. Okay. All right. Uh, here's the next one. What did the uh, Poe say to Luke Skywalker? Metaphors be with you. Ah, you got it. Okay, good. We're warming up a little bit. Okay, how does a poet sneeze? Somebody say it. Haiku. Ah, all right. And the last one, um, where do poems come from? They come from poetries. Ah, uh, Sorry, I, uh, along with those, I am a father of two children that allows me complete access to dad jokes. So for at least like the next, like, I don't know, forever. Um, poetry, love poetry. Poetry is one of those things, it's a, um, 
you know, it's, it's an expression, a feeling of, of emotion that's manifested through a written word, right? We express our internal emotions. And for some of us, that is, it's very hard for us to express what's truly going on deeply inside of us, right? Um, but we can find solace and comfort in being able to write letters or to write things out that truly express what is going on inside of us. And the book of Psalms is basically this expression all throughout uh, all the songs and all of the poems about God and about who God is. And it's important to know that as we study the Word of God, we can approach the Word of God very academically, right? Which it's important because you want to know that what you're studying is correct and it's true about God. But yet, if we don't understand the very beautiful and artistic nature of God's Word, we can miss out on a whole lot of spiritual expression that is taking place. And just to let you guys know, do you know that there are five books in the Bible that are considered the poetic books of the Bible? Tyndale, has a, a, they're doing a wonderful thing right now. They're separating out some of the books um, of the Bible, and they're putting them into these big chunks, and they're kind of relabeling them just to give us some context and some understanding. And they've done this thing with all the poetry books. And so it's the book of Job, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, uh, Psalms, and who can guess the last one? Proverbs, right? And pulled those out and they put them in a little book called The Poems of the Bible, right? The Poetry of the Bible. And they've put it all together so that it's actually written and formulated like poems. And when you do that, it's very interesting how your mind kind of opens up to some of the poetic expression in the Psalms, and it's important that we do that because when we read a historical book like the book of Acts, or when we read Exodus in our Bible, which is printed and put together like an encyclopedia, here's a chapter, here is a verse, we could read those historical books and we start reading history, we jump on over to the Psalms or the Proverbs, and our mind then reads them in the same manner, but they weren't designed to be historical they were designed to be poetic and give an expression. So we're going to look at that tonight. Um, somebody name a, uh, a, a, somebody that you know, a famous poet. Somebody name a famous poet. Robert Frost. Anybody else? Name another famous poet. I'm thinking of a guy who's... Poe. Po. Anybody know Edgar Allan Poe? Okay. Famous poems that Edgar Allan Poe wrote. Uh, there are many of those. I'm going to read one for you right now as we kick off tonight. Um, because if you don't know much about Edgar Allan Poe, this poem will tell you quite a bit about who he is, right? This was his poetic expression of what was going on internally inside of him. This poem is called Alone. From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source, I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I had loved alone. Then in my childhood, in the dawn of my most stormy life, with it drawn from every depth of good and ill, the mystery which binds me still, from the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, 
From the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view. Kind of an unnerving last line there, right? This beautiful poetic expression about all of nature, the beauty of the sky and the sun and the autumn trees and it rolling by and how that fills you with such warmth. He explained in his last line, as many poets do in their final line, they twist it and he says, of all of this I see, I see demon. This man was a very, very dark man and he had a very, very deep, deep, deep darkness in him. And I just wish, I wish that poetic talent, that God-given ability, that nature of who he was could be used to express the glory and the light of who God is. Hey, I'm going to hand something out for you because I myself wrote a poem. Can I share with you my poem? Okay, now this poem requires a picture because it is for children, and I'm a children's ministry director. And so as a children's ministry director, explaining things to children without visuals is basically impossible because they are illiterate, right? And so I'm going to give you a visual. I have a team of four guys in the back. They're going to pass these little papers up. Go ahead and pass those out. Everybody hopefully will get one. If you don't get one, please share with your neighbor next to you. And then after we're done with this, I'm going, we will be getting into our psalm for tonight. Just go ahead and take one around. I will do a, uh, just to fill some time, let me explain this to you really quick. In the children's ministry, we do a lot with art and with illustration, with a lot with color and light. And this little illustration that you have in front of you is an illustration that we will be using um, to be teaching the kids some basic theology and to teach them the whole gospel message through color and picture and symbol. I want to take you through it and I want to uh, walk you through that little picture and see if you can follow along. Let me tell you this right here. In this picture, as I read this story, God is represented as light all of his attributes of all of who God is is represented as color. And man, me and you, are represented as a tree. These are all biblical metaphors for who God is. These are metaphors. These are poetic metaphors that the Bible uses to describe us. Can I read you this little poem that I wrote for the children? Starting in the top left-hand corner with that little wheel with all the colors around it that represent God and that little green tree which represents God's first creation, the poem starts like this. Let me tell you an ancient tale, a time of old when light prevailed. Just listen close to each detail. This is the story of life. The light of life created a tree. The tree was good and green, you see, but soon the tree decided to flee and lost the light of life. The tree turned dark and had bad crop, so the light sent out its water drop. The drop shone bright and wouldn't stop, for it's the water of life. The water became a tree one day. It took the dark of life away, but the watery tree had to pay and gave of its own life. The watery tree returned and showed that nothing more will ever be owed. The drop was sent and now it flowed to be a stream of life. 
The stream now flows into the tree. The tree's meaning is you and me. It bears the fruit for all to see, and we call them the bits of life. And that's what we do in our children's ministry. Does that make sense to you? Entire gospel message there is the fruit that we share is a reflection of the glory of who God is. And throughout that little poetic expression right there, we talk about visually what happened spiritually at the very beginning of time, what Jesus did on the cross, and how he took away the darkness from us, replaced that with the light of who he was in his spirit. And from that light, we reflect the glory of who God is. Man, I wish Edgar Allan Poe would have been around to hear this story and maybe understand that some of that darkness that was within him, God would have offered him a beautiful light to take that away. Tonight, we will be in Psalm chapter uh, 132, and we are going to be looking at a beautiful, a beautiful song of ascent. This is a song that is, um, this one is actually not attributed to David, but in this chapter, what we do see is that we see a little narrative, like a third-party narrative of David's voice happening, or a first person of David's voice happening in this. So I want to read it through you, and, or through, <laughs> I want to read it through to you, and I want you to understand this as we begin to read. In this psalm, there are three people, there are three people speaking in this psalm. If you don't understand this, then it's hard to follow along. There are three people speaking. The first person that's speaking is an outside narrator telling a story. The second person speaking is somebody who's playing the voice or role of David. And then the third person who's speaking in this psalm is of the Lord himself. Are you guys ready to begin? Let's start off with verse 1, and this is the narrator. And I will let you know before I read who is speaking in these moments. Let's begin. This is the narrator, verse 1. Lord, remember David and all of his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. This is David speaking in verse 3. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up into the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. Until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place of the mighty one of Jacob. Back to the narrator. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrath. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, in your resting place, you in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints... Be, or let your saints shout for joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn in the truth of David, he will not turn from it. And then the rest of this psalm is finished out with the voice of the Lord. I will, I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. If your sons will keep my commandment and my testimony, which I shall teach them, for the sun shall also sit upon your throne forevermore. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it, and I will abundantly bless her provision. 
I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will clothe her priest with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but upon his crown it shall flourish or shine, depending on your version. This is a very beautiful beautiful song of ascent. These songs of ascent um, in the city of Jerusalem, uh, where it was situated, situated up on top of a hill. And the Jews at the time, they would sing these songs as they were traveling to Jerusalem. And what they would do is during a Jewish festival, traditionally, they'd sing these songs of ascent up on top of the hilltops or on the road to the city. And so they would repeat these over and over again, and they would sing these songs Sometimes reading through these is kind of hard to comprehend unless you really sit there and meditate and kind of eat this up and really dwell and say, what is the meaning of this? Similarly, like what you would do with a poem, right? Like if you would actually really dissect Edgar Allan Poe's poem, you would really realize this man, it was a glimmer of hope and then deep, deep despair, right? If you looked at a picture and you wrote a little poem like that, you'd be able to actually analyze and see where every single part connected. This poem, as I sat there, this psalm here, this song of ascent, and I sat there really looking at this and saying, so what what is it that, that the Lord is saying here? What is it that's being expressed here? What is the thing that's being communicated to my heart, my spirit, my soul, and why would they sing this spiritual song all of the time? Why would it be considered one of these songs of ascent? And I think it's because of this. It's a really simple breakdown. And you see a connection here personally with mine in your own life. The very beginning of this psalm, we look at it, and just in the first couple of verses, it says it really describes the passion, the passion of David's heart. Verses 1, Lord, remember David in all of his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go into the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids. I will find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Remember me in my affliction. I am so pained. I am so grieved. My heart within me, it is disturbed. It is filled with pain. God, remember my affliction. And then my passion, and my passion is for you, God. I am hurt, and I am in despair, and I need you, and I want to find something for you. That's the first part of this poem. The next part, as it continues on through the verses, it is the discovery of the people. As David is searching and saying, I won't close my eyes, I won't allow sleep to come to my eyes until I find this holy place, this place where the Lord can dwell. And then behold, in verse 6, they discover this. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrath. We found it in the fields of the woods. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his foothill. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. And if you remember Old Testament history, what the ark and what the tabernacle were, it was this idea being expressed here that we have found a place for it where we can go and we can worship the Lord there. 
glory, glory, glory. We have found a place that we can go and worship the Lord in the midst of our affliction and our despair because we want to be with Jesus or God so bad. And we have found that place. It is a praise. And then continuing on, as the verse continuing, continues on, it talks about how God clothe your priests, clothe the people who are there, who worship you in your glory, in who you are, in righteousness, and enjoy, clothe them in that. And then upon that, as the Lord starts to speak later on in this chapter, you see that God looks upon this place, he looks upon the heart of David, and he gives his approval. And he says, I give my approval to you. I give this over to you. And finally, it closes out. And it says, because you have found a place, you have sought a place for me to be, and your heart is passionate about me. I give you my approval, and I will pour out my blessing upon you, and I will affirm what you desired. And verse 9 and verse 16 here both communicate the same thing as David cries out and he says, clothe your servants and your priest with joy and righteousness. God says, I will confirm that in verse 16 as it comes back around in a very beautiful song and says that, this, I will also clothe her priest with salvation and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. And then it finishes up with God just talking about how nobody will go against David and his crown will shine forever. Is that not just a beautiful progression in a beautiful poem? So as we read that and we think, well, Jonathan, that's a great, that's a great poem. It's beautiful. Do you get the connection, though, to you personally? Did you interpret the song of ascent as we were going through it? Do you see the progression of what is going on? I challenge you to go home, read this psalm, and I challenge you to go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 6 and look at the Lord's Prayer and look at the connection. I want you to see this progression of what happens, and this is what I've wrote out for you guys personally to consider this at the very beginning going through this. These themes that roll through this are eternal themes that we must all remember. Number one, David goes before the Lord in brokenness. Lord, do not forget David's affliction. Do not forget this. Every single one of us, right? This connects with us deeply, personally, because each and every single one of us is dealing with some type of affliction, some type of darkness, whatever it is, right? There is something going on in each and every single one of our lives here that is a struggle, that is a pain, that is something that we wrestle with. Because we are human and we are sinful by nature of who we are, there's something that you're struggling with. And at the beginning of this psalm, David goes and he says, consider my affliction. I have striven so long, so long. God wants you to be honest with him, with who you are, and whatever it is that you are struggling with. Whatever that deep despair is, no matter how silly you may think it is, because many different people have different types of despair. Some are dealing with the loss of loved ones. Some are dealing with the pain of maybe not being able to pay their entire phone bill at the end of the month. And for some people, those two despairs can feel very similar right? 
this is what I'd want you to know. Whatever your despair is, whatever you feel, God recognizes it as despair. He recognizes it as a struggle. Some may have deeper, deeper despairs, deep, deep despairs, and some may have despairs that we consider to be not so troublesome, or we may call them first world problems, right? Here's the thing. Whatever that issue is that is causing you despair, God wants you to be honest with him about it. Don't turn from that. Open that up to God and say, God, remember me in my affliction, whatever that thing is. Being honest and being real with who you are. Secondly, as this song continues on and the theme that's in this song, this is the passion of my heart. God, here's my affliction. Here's the thing that I struggle with, whatever it may be. This is the thing that is causing me so much pain. But God, my heart is for you. My heart is for your light and it's for your glory. And I will not rest until I find that. And that is that passion for God, whatever it takes. In the psalm, it's beautiful. David said, I will not allow sleep to come to my eyes. I will not allow my lids to close until I find a place for God to rest to where I could worship him. And then there's the discovery. As they discovered the place for where God's rest, and for them, it was in a very physical place, right? Described here in the poem. And this is what's so beautiful. So beautiful. They, in this psalm, recognized it as Ephrath, a very, like, uh, uh, some commentaries place that right there in Bethlehem, and other people say, well, it's kind of metaphorical, whatever, right? If you really get into that deep of what it is. But it was a physical place that they were going to, a physical place that they can go and they could worship God. And here is the glory and the beauty for all of us, that in our despairs, we cry out for God and we say, God, this is who I really am, and I want to discover you. I want to find a place for you. That place of who God is and where he is found is in none other but the person of Jesus Christ. And that is where you find the glory of God. That is where you find the light for your despair. That is where it shines brightest in your darkest place, whatever that is, is in the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, it's no longer about a tabernacle right? It is about a person. It's no longer about a box and an ark that his glory, the fullness of who God was, didn't dwell in a tabernacle or in an ark, but he dwelt in the person of Jesus Christ. And your discovery in that moment is shouting for joy and shouting for righteousness and saying, God, I have found you in a very humble place. In the psalm, it was in the woods, right? Where you find Jesus is usually in a humble place, usually where you get lost and you need him the most, right? God, I found you. And when you find Jesus, as we continue on, you have the approval of God, just like in the psalm. You have my approval. Who you are looking to, how you're worshiping, how you're celebrating who Jesus is because of your heart, because of what you look for, I will look down upon you and I give you my approval. And because of that approval, I will pour out my blessing upon you. You will be filled with my light. And as it was said that David's people will sit upon a throne forevermore, 
you are called, as in Colossians it would say this, and in Peter, that you are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Each and every single one of you in here are called to reflect the glory of God. And that's what God has. And so those words, though they were written about the nation Israel and about David, what they mean to us is so, so deep. And that continued theme through that beautiful, beautiful song, you can see why they would sing that song as they traveled up to Jerusalem. Why this was called a song of ascent. Because it started in despair. And it started with a passion of a heart. And then to a discovery. And then to an, an approval. And to, to a point of blessing of being a royal priest. A true song of ascent. May you tonight, as you go home, look over this song. Read it. Understand that God wants you to focus on His glory, on who He is. To be very vulnerable and be open with whatever that thing is that afflicts you, whatever your despair is, whatever that darkness is inside of you. And as you look for God, know that it's not going to be found in a building. It's not going to be found in a person. It's not going to be found in a title of a job. And it's not going to be found in any type of a material object. It's only going to be found in Jesus Christ and how he poured out his spirit and said, I will fill you with my spirit. You are now the place that I dwell. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we come to you. God, I thank you for tonight. And as we look at your your holy book, Lord, and we remember just everything that it says, and as we study it and we read it and we really understand what it means, God, May we reflect and say this truly is the word of God because it strikes to the soul and the heart of every single man, woman, and child on this planet. May we be people who really are clothed in your joy and your righteousness, Lord, and may we be considered, Lord, just because of you, a royal priesthood in a holy nation, Father. And as we look forward in time, may we continue, Lord, just have confidence in who you are, Father, in everything that we do and fill us with your light. Amen. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495. Set free my heart, set free my soul. I don't want to be a prisoner no more. Unlock the door that holds me in This is the day that life begins Set free my heart Set free my soul I don't want to be a prisoner no more No more that holds me in This is the day that lies